Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're getting through the day all right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cooler weather. We talked about that a little bit last night. Happy it's finally here. Sets my soul at peace. Let's just hope that it keeps going. Uh, got a great show planned for you. DMs wide open. You got a question, a topic you want covered. Let us know. We're happy to hear from you. Going to open the show talking about kissing. Dun, 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 dun. I love this stuff. And um, the reason why I do is because, again, remember, I cannot ever speak for everyone's experience. We cannot universalize everything. There are always going to be exceptions and outliers and nuance and complexity. So... I have to assume that y'all can bring a little bit of critical thought to this. So again, I'm never talking in absolutes. It's very rare that anything can just be applied universally to everyone in every situation and case. So you're going to have to fill in those blanks on your own. I always try to kind of speak to that whenever I can. <clears throat> so we're going to speak about kissing. Now, of course, there are people that are asexual, dealing with sexual trauma, all different aversions and, and obstacles. We're acknowledging that. We're going to center this topic, though, and you're going to have to translate that for yourself. But kissing, it's an important, valuable thing. It builds intimacy. It keeps us close. It shows romance. It's bonding. Now, there's different things in our lives that are really good metrics or barometers or compasses or diagnostics that let us know or can at least direct our attention to some part of our lives or our relationship or our mental health that maybe needs a little bit of work. And kissing becomes one of those more profound ones. It lets us really know how we maybe feel about self and other so remember, whenever we're talking about romance and relationality, we go back to that metaphor I like to use of a potluck where, you know, when we are approaching someone, we have to feel good about that which we're bringing to them and what we're bringing and that, that which we're bringing forward. And that's why I'm always talking about the importance of making sure that we really assess the health of all the relationships we're a part of and that we're really working hard on really kind of working our way out of really toxic, traumatic, or problematic relationships so that we're only surrounded by health. It is possible. We're not kicking people out of our lives that are struggling. You know, remember that part of being committed to friendship, family, relationship, to, to people that we should be committed to, that part of what we're Part of what's in that commitment is that we will be there through difficulty, right? And that's when trust is built. We, when we show that we stick around and we work through, that's when trust is really built. So when times are tough, that's when our partners, our friends, our loved ones most need us. So we do want to be there. 
That's different from someone who's unhealthy or toxic. People that are aware of themselves, willing to do the work, et cetera, et cetera, we've talked about it, we keep them around. But the reason why it's so important to pay attention to the health of the relationships in which we're a part of is because it really is internalized. It, we are infected by it, we are open systems. And we do get infected and take on the experiences of those around us. It's called mirror neurons. It's called nervous system. It's called social contagion. It's called empathy. It's called inner subjectivity. You can pick whatever clinical term you want, but we impact others and they impact us. And so our self-esteem is built by those around us. It's reflected back to us. We want to be around people that are constantly treating us and speaking to us and about us as though we are of worth and value. It's not ego. It's not false compliment. That's something else. This is just the basics. If we're not raised in a family environment where people are there for us, they're responsive, they're reliable, we're going to stop turning to others. More importantly, though, or in addition, if we're around people that are putting us down, shaming us, it's even worse. And in our adult lives, we have the, the opportunity, because we're an adult, to decide who we relate to and who we don't. And our ability to show up to our partners just romantically with hand-holding and kissing and cuddling and touching and just presence is rooted in how good we feel or how bad we feel about self and others. Because remember, we have this thing called an internal working model. And it's basically the perspective based on our experiences, experiences we've had, on how safe others are and how close we can get to them, whether or not we can trust them, whether we can turn to them and expect our needs to be met or the opposite. And that's plastic and malleable, which is good and bad. Because that means that every experience we have either undoes that and heals it and gives us a corrective experience and lets us know consciously, but more importantly, unconsciously, our implicit memory system, our amygdala, our limbic system, the more rudimentary parts of ourselves, it's pretty hard-lined. And it's either safe or unsafe. And the more safety that we're around, the more we'll start to trust and believe that others and the world is safe and we can let our guard down. But if we're constantly around and in relationships with people where it isn't, well, that internal working model that tells us others aren't safe, don't expect that, don't let your guard down, don't loosen up, don't settle, don't soften, that will not get reworked. And that's the beautiful thing of relationships. If we harness them for good, we can create new neural connections. We can reorganize our brain. Our brain, its plasticity is really triggered or worked with experience, positive experience, also negative ones. Our brains have a negativity bias. That's why we have to be really thoughtful about being around really solid, healthy people. But how, you might ask, does all that tie into kissing? Ah, you're gonna have to stick around. <laughs> After the break, we'll get into how all of that mishmash, academic mess ties into something as basic as kissing, which is not basic at all. We talked about it once on the show, but it was a different angle. I was just talking about some stats around kissing. It was kind of fascinating. But this is really about how our willingness or lack thereof can really help us understand what our work is or what also might be going on between us and this other person. So stick around for that. And uh, DMs always wide open. So drop some questions in there and we'll be back. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. So stick around. We got some good stuff coming along. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Alrighty, we're back. And as promised, we're going to be talking about kissing. Kissing, though, to help us better understand what's going on with self and other. It's a diagnostic tool. Canary in the coal mine. Coal mine. <laughs> Not mind. So, kissing. Uh, a quote, kissing could be a bellwether of sexual satisfaction, but I think it's far bigger than that. We're not even talking about the erotic. We're just talking about safety with self and other and the ability to tolerate closeness and intimacy. Kissing is among the more intimate acts, and it's something that we traditionally reserve for people that we are in more of a romantic relationship with. Yes, kissing on the cheek, the forehead, the shoulder can be done with family members and friends. In fact, I want more of that. I want us to be able to be very expressive and affectionate with people we care about. That's how we do it, touch. Touch is so regulatory, touch is bonding, and couples that have low or no touch suffer because of it. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is if your relationship lacks a lot of touch, lacks things like kissing, that might be a sign that the relationship has already ended or might be on its way out. It's a, it's a conversation starter. Hey, honey, we don't kiss anymore. Can we talk about why that is? Hey, honey, I miss kissing. Or even attempts to recreate that because kissing, really think about what you're doing. You can't get much closer to another human being. There's a few other acts, of course, that do involve something very similar. But kissing is a really, really, really personal thing for a lot of people. So much so that a lot of people are willing to do a lot of other physical erotic things with individuals where kissing is something that's very much reserved for someone that they really feel certain desire or safety with. So let's just break down the basics. Kissing is a common practice in a lot of relationships, but there's not a lot of research around it. What, why, when, how. There's research maybe around how to be a better kisser, but that's like a, that's like a hack. We're not just trying to get better. We're trying to look at what, what, what the current state of our willingness around kissing is, how that tells us about our relationship. Um, a newer study was looking at how Including it, its inclusion, not not by force, but but by its natural presence and willingness, is going to necessarily speak to higher levels of satisfaction within the relationship. Because again, those that are open and willing to kiss, it's a sign that things are going well, that we trust each other, that we want that closeness, that we can let our guard down. And so understandably, that speaks to other levels of satisfaction. So that does not mean, it's, it's correlation. It's not causation. So what that means is adding kissing in or forcing in kissing isn't going to inherently lead to a higher level of satisfaction in your life. It's only correlated, meaning those that are willing to kiss are probably also willing to do other things that also lead to satisfaction, such as 
Well, you're feeling good about your partner. And so you're probably living in more gratitude. You're probably more complimentary, probably doing a lot more cuddling, handholding and other things. Kissing is, is correlated with all of that. And so it's one thing to look at. Again, we're always looking at signs that maybe we need to do a little bit of work on our relationship. So again, just bringing kissing isn't gonna necessarily create satisfaction, but your willingness to bring in kissing might lead to the willingness to do other bonding intimate things that also can lead to improvement, more time together, more kindness and softness. But it's something to talk about. So if you realize you're in a relationship with someone and kissing is just something that never seems to happen, expand upon that. Does cuddling happen? Does touch happen? Because here's the thing, the most, the, 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 the best way we can build, the fastest, easiest, best way we can build regulation, safety, and regulation, I mean that in a co-regulatory way, big word that basically just means when we're stressed or we're in fear or we're anxious, if we're with another human being that we trust and feel safe with, that will reduce our anxiety or stress. Studies show that. Someone getting bad news, someone taking a difficult test, holding the hand of someone they trust or feel safe with or being near them slows down their breathing, heart rate, and also levels of stress and cortisol. But the closest best thing we can do is what mother and child does. I always love thinking back to early caregiving experiences to understand and to see how we can do that as adults because we have the same exact needs. We never outgrow that. And think of what a child and a mother does in a healthy, secure caregiving environment. The mother will keep the child close, skin to skin, but think about it even more, heartbeat to heartbeat. And that's why one of the most regulatory things we can do when we're feeling dysregulated, or one of the most uh, in, in intimacy and closeness building things we can do when we're feeling distant is skin to skin. If you're having a rough day with your partner, feeling distant for your partner from your partner, just go lay together. Just go lay with each other, nothing else. Just go hold each other. Go lay with each other. Just hug each other for an extended period of time. You will notice that your breathing will align, will align, your heart rates will align, and together you will breathe and slow each other down. It's a beautiful tool, but that can only take place in safe, close relationships. Kissing is gonna be something that's really only gonna be available or provide willingness in maybe more of a stable state in our relationship. But if even in that state, it's something that you're not interested or willing to do, that's gotta be the question. Has sexual desire left our relationship? Has attraction, has attraction waxed or waned? Is it that I don't feel safe? I think we've gotten too familiar in very neutralized relationships. I think we've also gotten really familiar stepping outside the stages of courtship. I try to remember to bring that up as often as possible, that just because we're now monogamous, just because we're now committed and exclusive, just because we're now living together, just because we're married or have children or home, doesn't mean that, that those stages of courtship should be something that drift. We should always be in them, always, 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 always be romancing, always flirting, always attracting, always courting. And kissing is a really beautiful part of that. So again, ask yourself, if, if it's not something we're comfortable with, why? If it's not something I'm willing to do, why? And sit with that why. Find solution for that why. Don't just blow it off, don't just write it off. This is how we step into the next phase of our relationship. This is how we learn <clears throat> what our relationship needs. Bring it up. I also want it to be something that we can talk about. When couples say, oh, I could never, dot, dot, dot. Never do that, never say that, never feel that, I'm concerned. 
Because in a healthy adult relationship, we can process and discuss anything. It's not a demand. It's not a request. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. But we can at least bring it up and bring it in and process, share it. Just at least be known. If we can't, there's a problem. All right, we're going to take a little break. Come back, finish this out. If you've got a question, topics, drop them in the DMs on our Love on IG page. Otherwise, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. Alrighty, we're back and we're just kind of using all these different experiences to really understand where we are in our relationship. I think, again, one of the big issues is we really let our relationships run on autopilot and we step into our relationship, check all these boxes, reach these relational developmental milestones, right? Of home ownership and children and marriage and monogamy. And we kind of think that like the work is done and that it should just... We really do think that, that we don't, th- we don't have to attract anymore. We don't have to flirt. We don't have to romance. We don't have to check in on it. I tell you all every couple months, at least every year, check in, say, how's the year been? What do we need to change? Should we even keep doing this? Bring truth and transparency into your relationships that you can work on and address what needs to be worked on and addressed. But a lot of us are afraid. We're afraid to hear the state or quality of our relationship. We're afraid to find out what kind of partner we've been. We need to know. Create safe relationships that can handle that kind of thing. But living in silence doesn't create any kind of change and people start suffering in silence. And one of the biggest canaries in the coal mine, which is just this example and metaphor to say there's certain things that if present or lacking are really good indicators that stuff's not okay. The disappearing of romance and sexuality is a big one because that for a lot of us is part of what makes this relationship special and or is also a tool or a bridge to having deeper levels of closeness and intimacy but uh also just fun like we don't have to in theory be in a relationship we should want to and we should want to because it's good because it's it gives us vitality because it makes us feel like we have support because it's fun because it adds joy to our lives i think we suffer in relationships we think that they're a lot of work they're not they take some work but not a lot of work if they're taking a lot of work something is wrong maybe it's not right for y'all to be together but I always wanted to come back to us learning about ourselves. If you're not willing to have these conversations, ask yourself, why? Is it your work or the partner's work? If you're not interested or willing to kiss anymore, what is that about? Is there something you are not willing to look at or talk about? Or is it your partner? If we're not willing to engage in anything erotic, is that something that's speaking to what's going on with you? Or again, is that about you or the relationship? We have to be willing to look at these things and ask these questions. And physicality is really important because a lot of times we'll run our lives where we want no vulnerability, no fragility. And the longer we're with someone, the more fragile it can get. You would think it's the opposite, but sometimes it's more fragile because you mean more. There's more to lose. The stakes are higher. It's very easy when we don't know someone to sometimes be more vulnerable. There's less shame. There's less guilt, less embarrassment. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I won't see you again. It's a lot easier. But when it's someone that we built a life with, oh, that fragility can be very high. And it can be very hard for us to talk about what's not working because inherently in discussing what's not working or what needs to change, we're bumping into, are, is this even going to work? Are we even going to keep doing this? But I promise you, couples are better off for it. It's, it's like couples I work with where someone was, was uh, cheating or you know infidelity, having secondary relationships. 
in monogamous relationships. And I say to them, you know, there's a lot of things we can learn from that. Once we get through the pain and trust is rebuilt and trust is something that's always being built and rebuilt. That's just part of relationship. But we can really learn about what, what was that person seeking? What was missing? What were they not willing to do anymore in the relationship that they just brought to somebody else? Like there's a lot of growth in that. And that's what we want to not shy away from is these learning moments. Because as we develop, we need different things. As our relationship develops, it's, you know, essentially there's us and there's the relationship. It's almost like there's those three different entities. Um, and for those that are non-monogamous or poly, there's multiple ongoing relationships to track and pay attention to. But we want, we want to really be present in them. And I think the willingness or lack thereof of some of these sexual pieces is rooted in the quality of the relationship because um, a lot of bids for eroticism or romanticism, things like kissing, are bids for closeness. And not everyone's able to vocalize it as such. I think it's really sad when some people write it off as, oh, they're just, you know, they're just looking for some loving. They're just looking for eroticism. Well, there's nothing wrong with that if that's the case, especially if you're their primary partner, especially if you're their monogamous partner. Because if you're monogamous, you are their only outlet. You can't ask for monogamy and then say, ah, and I'm also not gonna be available, so now you're just gonna be forced into celibacy. That's not healthy, that's not fair, that's not kind. Those relationships need to sit down and talk about what's going on as to why we found ourselves in that place. But outside of that, there's a lot of work and we wanna know what that work is. We can't be afraid of that. So it's like these difficult conversations. A lot of my patients in my practice, you know, through working with me, they, they call them, ah, adult conversations. This week, got another adult conversation that needs to be had. But again, we are in relationships, we impact each other, impacts our mental health. We carry it with us, even when they're not there, we symbolize, these things matter. We have to be willing to do this work, but we have to be able to have these difficult conversations. I work with a lot of couples, they've been together for years and years and years, decades and decades, and they can't even have the most basic of conversations. Uh, and they settle for that. They settle for that, no change comes from that. So, all right, we'll take a little break. We're gonna slide into those DMs. So again, if you got a DM for us, DMs on our IG page, drop them in there, questions, topics. And uh, I wanna check out past episodes, you can do so by going over to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for the name of the show and click on it. Bam, binge, post, share, we listen, whatever you wanna do, they're all there. Uh, but stick around, we'll be back. We're gonna keep breaking this on down and then getting into a little bit of a sexting and how we can kind of bring that into our relationship, you know? tips, tricks, and tools. All right, stick around, y'all. We'll be back. You listen to Loveline. Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all. We are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, let's see what we got here. These DMs, as always, come from our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, <clears throat> how long should you date someone until you have that serious future talk? Ah, uh, yes, defining the relationship, the DTR. I've been seeing this guy for eight months, but we've been together officially for two. <clears throat> okay, so eight months together. I wanted to have it, this conversation about the future, uh, I wanna have it before we made things official. Because for me, what's the point of being official if there isn't really a serious future in the cards? Um, I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think you're mixing up a few concepts. You've been together for eight months. Things are going well. So what, 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 what do you mean by the serious future talk? What, what does that mean? You're, you're in the relationship eight months in, things are going well, continue to just enjoy each other. What, what is the future thing? Marriage? Is that what you mean? I can't think of any other thing you're talking about. I'm assuming eight months in, you've talked about where you're at monogamy and all that. I don't know what you mean by the future talk. If you mean marriage, maybe not everyone gets married or has to or wants to. Um, 
marriage doesn't promise, again, I'm not anti-marriage. I'm just saying marriage doesn't promise trust, commitment, or intimacy. You can have that without being married. Some people are married and don't have that. So focus on having that. And if you think marriage sounds like a fun thing to do to symbolically and ritualistically honor the commitment, casually bring it up. Uh, if you're, uh, if you feel like you know the person, well, then it's time to do it. Eight months, I feel like you've hopefully gotten to know them. Have you been through serious conflict to really see how you manage conflict? If so, great. If not, wait till you get there. Um, what was the other part of your question? What's the point of being official if there isn't a serious future in the cards? Well, I thought being a, I thought being official was serious. So being official isn't serious? Well, then what is it? I, I'm very confused with your framework. I think saying, do you want to be official is saying, are we taking this seriously? And if so, well, then you're already there. Um, I'm, I'm just not understanding your wording. What's the point of being official if there's anything serious in the future? Well, that's also, no, I don't agree with that at all because sometimes not every relationship is meant to be forever and the worth and value of a relationship isn't dictated by the length of time we're together. Some relationships are only meant to be for months or a couple of years and then we outgrow it and we change. That's not failure. Failure isn't dictated by forever. Not everything's meant to be forever. Was your vacation a failure because it wasn't forever? Should we not officially book a vacation and enjoy it while we're there because we have to leave at some point? See how ridiculous that sounds in other references? Relationships value and worth isn't in the, how long it's going to be. Just be in your relationship. You, you, you're official, you said. It's been eight months. Great. There you are. Chill. You got the commitment. You got the trust. Anything further isn't about more trust or commitment. Anything further is about symbolically acting it out through marriage and all that. But if you're committed, you're committed. If you're intimate, you're intimate. Bam, it's there. But the point, uh, again, I'm so hung up on this. The point of being official, if there isn't anything serious. Official is the serious. And we never know what's going to come. And we can never commit to forever because if we get to a point where we realize this isn't working anymore, we should leave. So I guess I don't, I don't use your same reference point. So I can't really say much more than I've already said. But please don't disregard the value something provides because at some point we might not want it anymore. Please don't reduce commitment and, 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 and exclusivity and care and all that because we can't say what's happening next. I don't know. I'm very frustrated by this entry point. Um, so basically, long story short, just be good people. Impact others in healthy ways. Just enjoy where you are. Stop being so obsessed with what we're heading towards. Stop being so obsessed with what goal we're working towards. Those aren't real constructs. Just be where you are. Not everyone needs to work towards a raise or advancement. Some people are like, I'm glad where I'm at in my job. I'm happy. Some people don't need to push the relationship into a next step. You've been together eight months. Breathe. It's not that long. Breathe. Breathe. What are you rushing and why? Why do you need to have any talk again at all? And why are you panicking as to when? If you're in a comfortable relationship, you have it whenever you want. But what are you rushing to? What are you trying, what are you trying to get to? Be where you are. You've got all your needs met. I see people panicking over marriage. It's like you have a, you have a loving relationship. All your needs are met. You're happy. Stop trying to change things. We don't always need to go to the next step. Sometimes where we are is good enough. You know what I mean? Be happy with what you have. Contentment. That's happiness. All right, y'all. Going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about dun, 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 relationships, but we're going to move more into a sexual perspective, talking about how to use sexting in service of more commitment and intimacy in our relationships. Maybe focus on that, listener. All right. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we will be right back. All right, y'all. We are back going to talk a little bit about sexting. Now, here's the deal, y'all. Consent, consent, consent. Sexuality should not be something that's used to harm. Sex should be nothing. Sex is like dessert. I always say that. 
one of those things that should just be good, fun, and delicious. It, it shouldn't be associated with anything bad. But, it, but you know, unlike dessert, sex often is. A lot of trauma. Well, food has a lot of trauma tied to it as well. Sexing is supposed to be something that, you know, is consensual, it's erotic, it's fun, it's playful. So we're not going to get into the other pieces. We've talked about that on the show. I want to bring it back to people that are in a romantic relationship and the beauty of it. Because again, I'm telling everyone, stay in the stages of courtship, stay romancing, stay flirting, stay sexualizing. Sexting, the use of our technology is a really beautiful way to do that. And when I say people to clients, you know, hey, every day, find a way to connect, romance, flirt, sex. They're like, oh my God, who has the time? And I'm saying to them, with these phones of ours, seconds of picture, an image, a photo, a song, anything romantic or erotic, and it comes in so many diverse ways. But I don't want us to knock it. You know, there are safe ways to do it, and it doesn't always have to involve nudity or exposure. It, it can be emojis, it can be sounds, it can be voice memos, it can be images of something you saw. Like there's, It's such a big, vast constellation of different things. It's such a big umbrella term. Um, a lot of the research, though, never really looks at couples using it with each other in a healthy way. It tends to look at the darker sides. You know, why are people sending them? What is the impact? Like, here's some of the stats. Um, uh, bum, 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 bum. Okay, so women... Uh, versus men and people from the LGBTQIA community versus straights are more than twice as likely to have reported getting unwanted sex. So women and people in the gay umbrella. Uh, okay, so we have a lot of stats on that, but we're trying to look at what are how can we harness it for something beneficial and positive? Because again, the studies all talk about the negative feelings, the awkwardness, the violation, all of that. But and that's all real and that's all true. Uh, but there are some beneficial uses when we're using it in service of connecting, building excitement. Remember, we are obsessed with sex being about orgasms and penetration, but the most bonding connective pieces can sometimes be the things that are before and after, the slower pieces, the pieces that are more vulnerable, the pieces that require more presence, the pieces that require you know, more expression of self. But oftentimes we're just trying to get right to it. And that's why I love sexting because it can be just talking and explaining and sharing art and images. And eroticism can be something that we're always kind of swimming in. And for couples, the further away you get from it, the harder it is sometimes to get back. And that's why the key is to keeping close. And also allows us to feel a deeper connection. See what are the ways that you can maybe fold that in. And if that's not feeling good to you, leave notes, voice memos. But ask yourself, how can I push on my edges? How can I not just stay in my comfort zone? How can I use all these different technologies and ways of being present or connecting or sharing to kind of bring that part of myself out? Because again, remember, we live in a world where that part of ourself is never mirrored, not in childhood. That's the only part of ourselves in childhood that's never mirrored back to us, our sexuality. Something that we're left on our own with to figure out and make sense of. And then when we want to engage sexually with ourselves via solo sexuality, aka masturbation, we do it privately, quickly, quietly. We don't want to talk about it. We don't talk to anyone about it. We don't want anyone to know that it's something that we do. So it carries a lot of shame, our first sexual experience. Again, while in an environment of not having that part mirrored or discussed in general, while also living in a world where if you're of a marginalized, exploited identity, you're someone who's kinky or gay or poly or whatever it is, you're also then dealing with all that within all of that. 
So it's buried. And then we talk about how gender's in there, where if you're a woman, you know, you want to be girlfriend material or mom material. So you have to hold, you know, hide your sexuality in that way. And then people are afraid of being called sex or porn addicts. These made up labels that shame, you know, healthy, creative ways of being. And then we worry about being slut shamed. And then we worry about, you know, our heterosexual identity being called into question because maybe we are someone who's, you know, a cis hetero man that likes anal play, like all sorts of these things that come in that just pull us away from our core sense of self. And then we're finally in an adult relationship with a safe, healthy partner. And that's the person we're supposed to be able to let our guard down and bring our sexuality to because they are a sex partner. And especially if you're in a monogamous relationship, it's just me and you, baby. But magically, we can't because of everything I just said. We, we don't just step over that threshold into marriage or relationship and magically all of these other forces that have trapped us or shamed us just dissipate and disappear. But we have to try to do that work. And I want people to be in relationships with people where they can do that work. Because if not with them, then when and with who and where? But we have to be in relationships where people aren't going to shame us for that, where they're going to be welcoming of that. They're going to say, thank you for letting me know who you are. Thank you for letting me know parts of you that maybe others don't. So we have to hold it sacredly, but we have to keep it special. We have to keep it important. It's often left out of all discussions around happy couples. I can't tell you how much of the research I look at on relationships. And it's just something that's like poked at or very casually referenced or shamed. But we have to bring it out into the light. Uh, if not with this person, then with who? And so the inability to talk about that or express that with this person means there's a lot more shame than we thought there was. How can we work on letting some of it be seen, letting some of it be known, letting it get mirrored? That's how we really get confidence in something. When we can have others reflect back, I see it, I hear it, I see you, I hear you, I accept you. It's healing. All right, we gotta take a little break. We're gonna come back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, we'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back looking at some stats on sex. Now, here's what I think is always so fascinating is if it's important and who it's important to and why and when. So I shared this stat with you before, but we can drop into it again. So um, happy couples. Think of couples that are happy, generally content, do well, feel safe, manage conflict, blah, 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 blah. Those couples, upon being asked, well, how important is sex to y'all? They would say, only, only, you know, they would attribute only about 15 to 20% of their happiness to good sex. Not because sex isn't important, because they have a lot of things that are important. And so it tends to get really a little illegitimized with happy couples. They don't put a lot of importance upon it. It's there, it's happening. Now, the opposite happens with couples that aren't doing well. For couples that are struggling, a lot of conflict, kind of toxic, things are going well, maybe they're not compatible. When they're asked that question, they'll say that the bad sex accounts for 50 to 70% of their problems. So we put a lot on it when things aren't going well and a lot less when things are. And that's because when things are going well, we feel close, we feel connected for a multitude of reasons. And so we don't overly rely upon sex. But when things aren't going well, for some couples, sex is the only time they're actually getting along, if even then. It's the only time they're actually close emotionally or physically, if even then. And so it means a lot more. Those rare moments are the only times maybe they're getting along or enjoying each other. And so they look for it. And if they're not, they feel that. 
And so when we're doing when we're doing well, we don't really over rely upon everything. Everything kind of balances, but we're not doing well. We really put more pressure and importance upon those few moments where we could or should, or those few things that are going to provide that. So is sex important for happy couples? I think the answer is yes. It's just it's not reported or seen as such when things are going well. I don't agree that it's not an important part of a healthy relationship. I do think it is. And I think a lot of that research is coming out from people that aren't, you know, sex therapists like myself or sexologists, sexologists like myself. That's an, that's an, you know, it's its own entire study, uh, field of study. It's a specialization. Uh, but I always thought that that was really, really, really interesting, but it always comes back to a lot of the same things saying that if we had to really identify one factor that is the most important part of a healthy relationship, it's friendship. They like each other. They like each other. I mean, what a simple thing, but it's not like, think about that. The person you're dating, living with, married to, do you like them? If the answer is no, you don't actually probably have a relationship. You might be living together, you might be married, whatever it is, but you don't have a relationship. And it's probably time to get some, do some work if you think you want to revive that or it's time to go. But if you do like your partner, you're doing great. That's the key. Because what happens when we like them? We're softer. We have what we call a positive sentiment override, which is when in doubt, we assume they meant the best and the positive versus couples that aren't doing well. They have more of a negative sentiment override, which means when things aren't going well and you say something, they're going to interpret it negatively because they don't feel positively about you and they don't think you feel positively about them. So they assume everything's through a negative lens. But when we're doing well, we assume well. When we're doing our best and we're at our best, we assume that that's what someone's meaning. Couples that like each other are also living more in gratitude. They have more access to gratitude. They can easily think about and feel from all the things they value. Couples that like each other are also going to do more together. So they're going to be out in the world experiencing new novel things and people. And that's very bonding. Couples that aren't getting along, that aren't doing well, aren't going to be going out doing things together because they don't enjoy time with each other. They can't imagine hiking together, going to dinner together, or traveling. That sounds worse. Trapped together? When we're at home, we have all these buffers, intimacy buffers. The television separates us, but yet we're near our bodies near each other, our screens, our jobs, our duties, all these different things that really prevent us from having to be around each other while still having to be around each other because we don't like each other. And that's always the question. Why are you still together then? Because it's scary. It's a whole other topic. But that likability and that likability is part of that sex. We talked about the kissing a little bit in earlier segments tonight. But it's interesting how sex doesn't seem to mean as much in self-report with couples that are doing well because they have a lot of things that they're thinking about or considering that make them feel good or make them feel happy or make them feel content. But unhappy couples, they don't like each other. They've lost touch with each other. There's also often a lot of contempt, which is kind of basically saying, I do not like you, contempt and resentment. So they turn away from each other as often as possible. Without that, everything drifts. And sex is often one of the first things that starts to suffer when relationships aren't going well. Desire's gone. Desire for closeness, desire for each other. And that's why in the earlier segments, we're talking about the absence of kissing, the absence of a willingness to kiss, the willingness to touch. Um, And again, sex is still hard for a lot of people to talk about. So that kind of feeds into them not really sitting down and saying, hey, what's going on? Um, So where do we go with all of that? Well, it really lets us know what we want to build and maintain, and it lets us also know what the vision is of what we're trying to get back to. So all of this to say that there are a few exercises that I give couples. Again, these aren't going to, in and of themselves, make everything better, but they're part of that. 
the presence of these things. And they also give us access to some of the things that'll make things go well and do better. Um, yeah, we got time to drop into these. Let me get into some of these. So these are some of the things I give some couples. Again, it's nuanced. It's not just do this. I assess couples, I work with them, but here's some of them. First off is I tell everyone do daily acts. I, well, I call it daily acts, do daily acts. But basically what it means is it's daily acts of romance, flirtation, or sexuality every single day. Every single day you do something that reminds you and them that we have a relationship and we're, we're in a romantic, loving relationship. So the daily acts could be a statement, touch, a note, something you send them, just something. They can be very simple. Second thing that we have to pay attention to is transitions. There's important times in our lives where we're coming in and out of each other's lives. When we go to bed, when we wake up, when we come home, and when we leave the house. And in those moments, we want to greet each other with eye contact and touch. Give a kiss before bed or a hug. Give a kiss or a hug when you wake up. Same thing with comings and goings. We don't want to enter or leave while someone's in another room, on a laptop. Really honor, hi, I'll see you later. Really honor, hi, I'm back. It rewires us. It reignites that connection. Because when we're gone, there can be that disconnection. It's also, again, building in more moments of pleasure and joy, positive associations. Take a quick break. We'll come back and I'll finish these. So you all got them in your heads. So uh, stick around. We'll be back. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, so I'm back and I'm just sharing with you guys some of the things you can build in to your couple's lives, your relationship. On the daily, as frequently as possible, that can really help bring us back to liking each other, getting more familiar with closeness and connection, and uh, letting some of the things emerge that are maybe, you know, obstacles, looking at our resistance. So the first thing is daily acts. Every single day, do something romantic or erotic. It's a note. It's a touch. It's, an, it's a statement. It's a wink. It's a text message. It's a gift. I don't know. Something every single day. You want to keep that thread. You don't want to distance from that. Then I talked about transitions. Have routines for when you come and go, when you wake up and go to bed. They should be rooted in eye contact and touch. Seeing each other. Hi, I'm here. Feeling each other. Again, they, these all serve multiple purposes. These are all very multi-leveled psycho-bio pieces. It's getting us familiar with closeness again. Then we can capitalize on it. Just these transitions. Giving a kiss hello or a kiss goodnight could maybe lead to sex. Maybe it doesn't. Leads to more positive experiences. It reminds us that they're there. It lets us get more familiar with your presence. See, it's like multi-tiered. So don't, don't be thrown off by their simplicity. So the first one was daily acts. Then we're also honoring these transition moments, coming and going, goodnight and wake up. Also, we're increasing as much touch and proximity as possible. If you're on the couch together, put your legs on each other. If you're on the couch together, hold hands. If you're on the couch together, cuddle. If you're on the couch together, touch each other as much as possible. If you're laying in bed, falling asleep, touch each other, cuddle, grocery shopping, put your arm around them, hold hands as much touchness and proximity as possible for all the reasons we're talking about. Again, learning to tolerate intimacy and closeness, giving yourselves that to maybe capitalize and it leads to something beyond that, more sexual, more erotic. Also, it's reminding ourselves that this person's in a relationship with me, right? We're letting them be part of our regulatory nervous system. Also, here's a really big one, very big, because we want people, we want to feel like our, our other is present in our life. Track, share, and ask about each other's day. Ask them how their day was and actually listen and pay attention by dem demonstrated by questions, questions that show interest and curiosity. But what it's really about is I want you to be a part of each other's lives. And the reason why it's share and track is because you want to follow up 
If they tell you about something to the coworker later the next day or in the week, you say, how did that go? Follow up and questions. You're tracking, you're sharing, you're asking about their day and their lives. Because one of the first things that starts to happen is we start shutting that down. And that's where the distancing, the lack of intimacy happens. And also people then maybe start going to others and that's an infidelity can occur because they start building that with someone else. They want someone to be a part of their life. Also bids. When a partner makes a bid for a connection or your attention, be available. Your partner should always come before finishing that email or that television show you're watching or the, or the IG page you're creeping on. Put your phone down, pause the TV and accept the bids. Hi, honey, come here. Cause your partner walked in and tried to you know, let, sit on your lap or cuddle you. Or they're like, hi, babe, put your phone down and look at them and say, hey, how was your day? I didn't know you were home. Put the person first. It breaks my heart and it should never be, oh, sorry, I'm watching television. Sorry, I'm sending an email. They can wait. Your boss can wait. Your colleague can wait. Your best friend can wait. My God, none of those things matter. Your partner, who you built a life with, who's your main support system, who you probably live with, who your mental and physiological, physiological health is dependent upon because our partners impact our hormone release, our nervous system functioning, our breathing, our blood, our, our, our blood pressure, all our immune functioning. All this is born out of the health of the relationships we're part of, especially the primary one. That should be primary. It doesn't mean that they always come before everything. Yeah, your friends will sometimes need you more or something, but healthy relationships are solid and full of trust. And so we can handle that flexibility. Make your primary your primary. We should never make someone wait who's in front of us who we care about because we're sending a text message or an email. That's not acceptable. Make that unacceptable. Make that not norm, a norm for you. Also, decreasing or removing what we call intimacy blockers. Getting rid of all the things that distract us or keep us separated. Put your phone down when you're talking to your partner. Close your laptop, things like that. That's why I'm always saying touch, eye contact, really connect. Also expressing fondness, gratitude, and praise. We're really happy to air complaints whenever possible. Get comfortable airing gratitude and praise and compliments as much as possible. Maybe even every single day, find a reason to praise or compliment your partner. And if you can't, you got a bigger problem. You really do. Sit with what that means, that I'm not willing to do that. What does that tell you? Really sit with that. Or I can't find anything to compliment. What does that tell you about your partner choice or the relationship you're in? Use these things, your willingness to do them or their willingness to do it with you as a diagnostic tool to look at what's really going on with you, them, or the relationship. Seriously, face it head on. And then finally, talking about ourselves sexually, sharing it, and doing it. If not with our partner, then who? And if you're in a monogamous relationship, well, there it is. That's your big moment. So we need to be bringing this part of ourselves to them. That's the commitment we've made. That is the commitment in monogamy, that I will be your sexual partner. I will be open to being sexual with you. I'll be opening to talking about that, communicating, boundaries, learning, growing, challenging, pushing on our edges, 100%. And again, if they won't or you won't, ask yourself, what does that tell me? What do we need to do? Where's the work? And if all that fails, get into sex therapy. Find a certified sex therapist and work on some of that. Bam. All right, y'all, we're gonna come back slide into those DMs. So if you got a question for us, topic you want covered, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always open, but we'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and uh, now it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, drop them in there. Topics you want covered, bam, drop them in there. And uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. All right, let's see what this one says. Hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. Oh, it's a pandemic question. Oof, kind of burn out on these, but let's do it. Had Has this pandemic made other people really spontaneous and kind of reckless? Interesting. I become very less concerned about my financials, a lot more concerned with my happiness, not wasting moments in life. I've become okay with taking trips by myself. Really try to be better at being uncomfortable. I love it, but will it catch up to me? Oh, I kind of like this. Um, you know, I don't hear anything reckless in what you're saying based on how you're presenting it. I do hear a lot of maturity. You're realizing what matters most is experiences, being happy, contentment, good. Worry less about money. Yeah, we live in a capitalist system. No one's going to help us out. <laughs> We're going to have to earn our health care, which is gross. We should all be given it no matter what, working or otherwise. We're going to have to earn our right to food, safety, and shelter. Again, that's gross. Everyone should have access to food, safety, and shelter because they are a breathing human being. Um, but you're right. We live in a system where we care about money, care about profit, profits over people always. Every organization and corporation's goal is to keep itself going, not to look out for the people that most need to be looked out for. Systems forget that without employees, they don't exist. They need them as much as they need each other. So yeah, think about your money. But if your basic needs are met, eh, you don't need that fancy new car. Have experiences, enjoy yourself, go travel, do things. I love that. So I like what you're saying, that I've become more concerned with my happiness. I love that. Taking trips by yourself, being uncomfortable, I love that as well. You're pushing on your edges. You're realizing you don't need other people to be a part of your life or to take you out into the world. You're going after what you want. That will serve you. You'll be happy. Don't play it safe. 
Don't worry so much about career and finance. Those aren't the most important things in life at all. In fact, that complexity makes people more miserable. Some people are happy with where they are. They're like, I got my job. It pays my bills. I don't need more. I don't need to ride up that ladder. I don't need to take on more response. I'm that guy too. I like doing new things, but I don't want anything more complex. I don't want anything more pressurized. I just like what I have. You know, if something's offered, I'm like, does it sound fun? Would be good for my mental health? Okay, maybe. If anyone wants me to do any work, I'm like, what are you paying? You got to pay for my labor. No freebies. You know what I mean? I'm tired. I'm burnt out. So, you know, ask for your worth. Take care of yourself. Get out in the world and do things. I love that. I want that to catch on. I was hoping that what would come out of the pandemic is people focusing more on mental health and self-care and looking out for each other. And we've gotten a little bit of that. But at the end of the day, I think where how we were before is what we're going to snap and go back to. I am seeing some chinks in the armor, though, because I am seeing people leaving jobs that aren't giving them living wages or health care where they're not treated well. I'm happy for that. No company has a right to employees. You don't deserve employees. You have to earn the right. You have to you have to deserve. I'm sorry. You don't have a right to it. You have to earn it. You have to deserve it. You have to treat people well. I love that. So that's happening. I'm watching that happen with Amazon where they're now putting out these big commercials talking about how they pay $15 and they offer healthcare immediately. Good, we should all be demanding that. We should all be unionizing. We should all be looking out for each other. We should all be sharing our salaries with others so that we can all get the same amount and ask for more. Community care, look out for, look, the studies show we are closer to being destitute than we are to being wealthy. You know, we have to come together. We have to push back on the man in the system and demand rights and look out for each other. But I like that using words like commitment I'm sorry, using words like contentment, not commitment, using words like contentment, using words like happiness, travel. That's what people say on their deathbeds. They look back at life and they don't say, I wish I earned more. They don't say, I, wor- I wish I worked more. They say, I wish I put more time and attention into my family. They say, I wish I'd actually done things that made me happy. I wish I had listened to others less and followed what my, what I, what my heart wanted more. That's what they say. So you're doing that now. Follow that ethic. Hold on to that ethic. Don't let someone take that away from you. Even if you decide to get in a relationship or get married or have kids, hold on to this. You can do this at that same time. So carry it forward. I love that. It's so inspiring. It reminds me to do more of that. But all right, y'all, that is our show. If you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics. And uh, we are channelq.com. Head on over there. Past episodes, you can binge, post, share, read, listen. Uh, be kind to each other, be kind to yourselves. I think we got to drop the bar a little bit, right? We're not pushing ourselves too hard. We're just self-care, comfort, contentment, being happy with what we have. Um, we need a little bit more of that. Anywho, thanks for hanging out with me, y'all. We'll be back tomorrow night. So, uh, be kind as always though. Like I said, thanks for hanging out and y'all enjoy rest of your nights. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.